Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, welcome back to the Out of Spec Podcast. I am joined by Brandon and Kyle. Of course, my name is Jordan. And we're going to talk about some DC fast charging today and actually just charging strategies in general because I think a common topic that people ask about because they hear the noises from the DC fast chargers is what is the noise and why is liquid cooling a thing? And is it always a thing? Uh, and we have Brandon here, of course, who works in this industry as well. And Kyle's been using chargers since chargers have been around for the most part. So I thought this would be a good topic to kind of take a deep dive on and explain some of what that actually is, why we have to use liquid cooling versus passive cooling and what that really means. So how do you feel about it? <laughs> uh Liquid cooling is unreliable, at least with the current hardware, uh, which leads to a lot of poor charging experiences. And that's the main reason a lot of people are seeing 36 kilowatt charging on Electrify America and other CPOs with liquid cooled cables. So that's the negative, but then the positive yeah. is big power. And that's what I care about. So you can, <laughs> you can run longer durations at higher currents with thinner yeah. cables with liquid cooling. So Tesla has done a mass... Uh, I would say rollout of liquid cooling every mm -hmm. pretty much every new Tesla DC fast charging installation a supercharger uses liquid cooled cables they're on the version threes presumably mm -hmm. on the version fours and the mega chargers that are going in but as Brandon said a lot of liquid cooling uh, has gone into the public DC fast charging world and is a extremely expensive and b totally unreliable but as you were saying, it doesn't have to be unreliable. And clearly Tesla has proven that with their thousands of cells. I don't know the exact number of V3 cells, but it seems like they don't have a ton of issues. They do thermal throttle if it's really heavy thermal load. Uh, so I'm not sure it's necessarily that huge of an improvement versus their passive cooled cables, but it is an improvement in usability, which I can say is probably not the case for the public charging networks. The liquid-cooled cables are really not any better or necessarily worse than the passively-cooled cables. So can we back up a little bit, talk about yeah. what what you would need cable cooling for? This is not for level two charging. Maybe, Brandon, <laughs> you can give us the, the high level down. And it, you know, yeah. sort of for someone who's maybe not familiar with 
you know, DC chargers or even into the topic, explain what, what heats up, why we need to cool it, why it has to be a dielectric fluid because it touches copper pins and all of those things. Yeah. So basically with chargers, typically 150 kilowatt plus, sometimes you'll see it a little bit lower, but it's not really necessary in lower power chargers. You'll have a liquid cooling system for the cable and for the charging handle itself. And the reason for that is as you're pumping that 300, 400, 500 amps of current through the cable, getting resistance in that cable, especially on the 400 volt class of vehicles because of the current. And that's essentially the amps. The higher voltage cars, the Lucid Air, the Taycan, the EGMP cars, those are getting the same power or higher power with lower current. So they're generating less heat. And the reason that you have to use a dielectric fluid is that it's actually running not only inside the cable, but it's also running inside the charging handle itself. Because anytime you have a connection point, that's going to be essentially a hot spot. And in the charging handle, you have a connection to the vehicle. You also have connections between the uh, uh, the wires themselves or conductors, and then the actual charging contacts that are in that externally uh, accessible plug that goes to the vehicle. So it's very complicated. Um, how do you like, like what are the fail safes involved? Because liquid cooling allows for the really high voltage and high, like mm -hmm. fast charging. But in the cases where it breaks, are there like sensors that the station will recognize and that's what causes it to charge at a slower speed? Yeah. So essentially they use what are called thermistors. So it's a dynamic resistor based on temperature and those can either fail or they can lose, um, uh, communication to the charging station itself. And when they fail like that or just lose communication, they actually go to their nominal rating of the cable or potentially even below that because the station isn't able to know what the temperature is and be able to regulate the cable appropriately. And you bring so essentially they're able to use a thinner conductor um, because of the liquid cooling and then run it above the nominal rating. Right, so you're bringing up a good point, which is, the cables that typically when we pull up in a Model S with a CCS adapter and we're doing 500 amps or we pull up mm -hmm. in a Rivian R1T, a lot of times the derating when we're looking at charging curves, which makes our job a little bit more difficult, isn't sometimes because the charger can't output the power. It's just because the cable is rated for a certain current limitation for a certain period of time. Correct. And that's especially common on passively cooled or air cooled cables because they typically have a nominal rating. So sometimes that can be two, 300, 400 amps, but then they can boost to say 300, 400, 500 amps, typically 100 to 200 higher than the nominal rating. But it's only for X amount of minutes at X temperature, which depends on the specific cable and essentially the temperature rating of all the different conductors. You always have to go by the lowest temperature rating of the conductor. And that applies for essentially every electrical system, even a home level two charging installation. You have to have the breaker, the conductors, and the charging station itself have to be at a certain uh, C or Celsius rating for that conductor. So when you're, uh, let's, let's translate this into normal person how does this affect our audience, right? So yeah. I, I'm rolling up as a user. The other day, I went to an EVGO station in Denver. I rolled mm -hmm. up 
and it's had a big red thing on top of the unit. It was the only high power unit there. Uh, and it said that the uh, cable coolant wasn't pressurized, so it actually bricked the entire charger. It didn't default to a fail safe. Okay. It didn't go down to like, a, let me just give it 100 amps or 125 amps. It just said no charging. And so um, to me, that adds complication. It adds an additional maintenance situation. So will we see passive cables that are manageable, that are cost-effective, that can deliver high current anytime soon? It's very common in Europe, actually. So the Alpitronic hyperchargers, they have 500 amp cables on them that are air-cooled, but they're not the most uh, user-friendly cables, I must say. Uh, they're okay, but they're not great. And unfortunately, I think that's just a matter of the physics. And especially the longer the cable you get, the thicker it has to be because it has to put that amount of current over a longer distance. And that generates more heat, which is more to be managed, which is also a good example of why Tesla can do such thin cables because they're a lot shorter because the charge port is all in the same location, which is yet another problem in the industry. Yeah, but I mean, Tesla's really got it sorted out because everyone backs mm -hmm. in or pulls in. The port's right there. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when they actually open up the chargers. Uh, are they going to increase the thickness because they're now going to have to do maybe double or triple the length run at 500 plus amps? I mean, Tesla's running 680 amps through those things. Yeah, it's just crazy. They're handling more current than anyone else, actually. And they're somehow managing to do it well. And it's on the thinnest cables in the business. Yeah, and the easiest to use, best user experience by far as far as cables. And those don't even get that stiff and negative 20 degree temperatures. They're, of course, a little bit stiffer, but not bad. So let's talk about that. How do liquid cooled handles work on the temperature extremes? I guess starting with the cold. Uh, with the cold, you actually have to make sure that the uh, dielectric glycol is rated to a low enough temperature for the environment. I mean, if you're installing them in Phoenix, it's probably not a concern, but if you're installing them in Canada or Minnesota or the Northeast, that's definitely something that has to be considered or it will either gel or freeze completely. Yeah. And actually when I was in Alaska recently looking at all the charging infrastructure up, some of them, as soon as you get Norths going into Fairbanks are actually in enclosed units with like the mm. freezer things and they run a standalone heater all winter inside so that okay. the charger doesn't actually brick itself because it gets so cold. Yeah, because chargers, just like most electronics and most equipment, do have temperature, altitude, all sorts of environmental ratings. And they're actually kind of running into that in Norway with a lot of the boat charging. <laughs> so as you're putting them on the piers, you're getting a lot of the salt water spray. You're getting the extreme winds. You're getting the high tides blowing on them. Uh, so they're enclosing them in climate controlled essentially boxes and essentially moving the controls out and what is the temperature like the standard temperature for that liquid like does the charger basically have to warm it up if it's super super cold and the batteries have to be like above freezing to actually recharge is that right yeah i mean not necessarily above freezing but by applying current to the battery it does generate heat which warms yeah. it up you're just going to get a lot slower charging rate which is controlled yeah. by the bms uh, I don't know the exact temperature rating that's typical of those glycols, but it's actually very similar to automotive coolant in a lot of ways. Mm. And that can be rated for very extreme temperatures, just depending on the dilution and the specific chemical makeup of it. Yeah, that makes sense. So why, like, why is Tesla so 
far ahead when you look at the actual hardware. I know the cable length and size is related, but mm -hmm. it's it's strange when you think of like if I didn't know anything about either brand, I'd go look at a Tesla one and be like, wow, this is kind of flimsy, like comparatively speaking, versus the really yeah. heavy like Electrify America ones. I'd be like, wow, this thing's a beast. This is gonna last forever. And then the mm -hmm. Tesla ones, I'd be like, wow, this is gonna break after a few tries. But it seems to be the opposite. Why yeah, you would that? think <laughs> looking at a Tesla cable that it will build plus power. I mean. Tesla V3 cables are thinner than a lot of level two cables, yeah. which is just crazy. Um, I don't know the specific reason. I guess they just have really good engineers that are willing to push them a bit to the extremes. Because I believe V3 cables actually have a fairly low nominal rating. It's just that they're willing to really overrun them. And they're also banking a bit on the charge curve of Tesla's. So I think if we start seeing Teslas that have much more aggressive charge curves and can hold high power longer, Tesla is going to have some issues. So I hope V4 improves the thermals of the cables significantly. Yeah, my impression of Tesla, when they went version three and made them thinner and liquid cooled for more power, I'm like, well, just keep it the same thickness as version two, because even that's very manageable. And then mm -hmm. like, you don't have to replace your handles every thousand cycles or your cables won't get you know, yeah. easily resistive over time. For example, I was, drive I was charging in Las Vegas with a Model 3 and a Model X doing trying to do charge curve testing. And I went to the link charging spot. Mm -hmm. Those handles got red hot after just a couple, you know, a couple minutes. And I was yeah. wrapping them with lick, you know, with with the rags to try and cool down the temperature. The old trick. The old the old tricks. And those things were just red hot. And it's like, wow, so maybe you gotta put new uh, cables on them at that point because they're getting resistive and old and things mm -hmm. like that. But just to sort of wrap up the conversation, DC fast charging is limited by a lot of different factors. One of those mm -hmm. factors is the cable itself. Can you just yeah. briefly talk about the cost differential between a air-cooled lower amperage handle versus, versus going with a liquid-cooled one that can sustain 500 amps? Yeah, I don't know the exact prices, and even if I could, I couldn't necessarily disclose them. But prices on cables can range from $2,000 to $15,000 plus, which is just absolutely insane considering that they're essentially a wear component. Typically, CCS cables are rated for 10,000 cycles, but it's pretty rare that they actually make it 10,000 cycles before someone drops them and they crack. Uh, the latch breaks, uh, all sorts of things break on them. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. But I don't think people realize the cost of the actual DC fast charging. And that's part of why there's a little bit of disconnect. People are like, why don't every mm -hmm. business, why doesn't every gas station just have 20 DC fast chargers? But I think that's that's a whole different episode is kind of talking yeah. about the actual cost breakdown uh, as much as we're allowed mm -hmm. to say. But it's there's a bit of a disconnect. It's like, yeah, you don't. they're not like your lightning cable that you buy from Apple for 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brandon, can you just break it down? Pros and cons of air cooled versus liquid cooled. For example, yep. charge point CPE two fifties, air cooled, two hundred amp limited, yep. mostly because of the cable, not because of the charging hardware. Yeah, correct. The CPE two fifties are a good example of a poor cable choice um, because the units themselves, if you have them in a paired configuration, could output three hundred and twelve amps because they can each output 156 amps. And when they're in paired configuration, they're bringing it together. 
Um, and they can't output the full power conversion capability, which is 125 kilowatts on a higher voltage car. So it is current limited, which is really unfortunate. That's a good opportunity that they could have implemented a cable that has a boost function or able to run above nominal rating. Um, kind of the pros of liquid cooling, they can do big power sustained. Um, you typically aren't seeing D rates unless it's really extreme temperatures or really continuous loads. Um, but cons, cost, maintenance, uh, not a great fail safe generally. Uh, they're going to cut power significantly. And pros and cons of air-cooled cables, pros, they're cheaper, lower maintenance. Um, they can typically output big power, but not for as long. So that goes into cons. Uh, not as good for high temperatures, but could be good for low temperatures uh, and not as good for um, user experience because they're typically heavier. Yeah, well, really appreciate all of that. I really like your idea of going with an air-cooled boost function for many mm -hmm. chargers out there. Um, of course, for me, I want all the power all the time. Yeah. If we're thinking realistically, most cars, thinking Lucid Air, Tesla, mm -hmm. can only take their maximum rating for 10 minutes maybe at most, Correct. most of them. And I've noticed these boost ratings, when I start looking at the actual spec, sometimes go above 20 minutes at boost. Yeah. Depending on which I think, emissions. Yeah, which I think outside of industrial or fleet settings with 200, 300 kilowatt hour batteries that are actually charging pretty deep in those medium and heavy duty vehicles, for light duty passenger vehicles, even if they are derating after 15 minutes or 20 minutes, chances are the impact on your actual charging experience might be in the seconds or might be in the less than a handful of minutes. So I'd say the pros outweigh the cons of those air-cooled cables with the boost functionality. And if we can improve the weight and the form factor and user experience, well, you've got a winning combination. Totally agree. Love your insight. Thanks. Yeah. yeah thanks, for, thanks for coming on, Brandon. There's a lot to talk about with DC fast charging. It's very complex and way more complex than most people understand or expect. Um, so we'll have a lot yeah. more conversations kind of behind the scenes and appreciate what you do in the industry. Um, so thanks Absolutely. everyone for tuning in. You'll see Brandon Flash's YouTube channel in the description below and uh, go check out his content and congrats again on 5,000 subs. Yeah, thank you. I post a lot of charging content on Twitter as well. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. At Brandon Flash on Twitter. Yep. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.